Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Today's verse is Matthew 6, 24 to 26. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not reap or sow or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? May God bless the reading of his word. Would you pray with me as we prepare hearts for the message? Lord, we want to thank you for all the blessings you put in our lives. We realize that we are some of the most blessed people on the planet, the most blessed people in history with the things that you've blessed us with, the opportunities to worship you, the opportunities to have Bible studies and, and Bible study tools and watch things online that build us up and listen to podcasts that are about you and to have Bibles at our disposal. And, and Lord, we're just so grateful. And you've blessed us financially and allowed us to be able to help others. And we're grateful. Lord, continue to show us how you want us to share the blessings that you've put under our care. That we be good stewards of those blessings. We thank you, Lord, for the work that we're able to do in Uganda and for the children there. And we pray for the salvation of each child that is fed physically, that they will come to be fed spiritually. And each child who is learning to read because of what we're doing there, that they would read your word and grow by it. Lord, we pray that not only for the children in Uganda, but the children right here in this church and in our community as well. Lord, continue to use us to share our blessings with the next generation, that they too might be blessed by you. We invite you now to be our teacher for the Holy Spirit to fill me and to speak through me words that are true and honor the Lord Jesus and help us to follow him more closely. And we pray all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, as I'm sure you've noticed, when I do the children's sermon, it's not just for the children. In fact, I had one man tell me, oh, the children's sermon is so good, uh, we should just go home now. And I'm thinking, was that a compliment or not? You know? <laughs> I think he stayed. Well, today we didn't call the children up on the stage. It's Communion Sunday, and really communion is the best object lesson for our children, and that's why we leave them in here while we have communion so they can learn about it. But since you didn't get a children's sermon, I have an adult sermon for you. Uh, I have this envelope here, and uh, I got a bunch of cash in this envelope. And... Oh, I get to keep one, apparently. <laughs> so, let me ask you, how did seeing all that cash make you feel? And what was your emotional response? And are you even listening to me now? Or are you looking at that cash, wondering what's going to happen to it? And uh, 
first service, Pastor Jacob was in the service to collect it for me. Um, Pastor Jacob, let's call him forward. Yeah. And I'm not going to say too much more because you're really just going to look at Pastor Jacob and you're going to be focused on the money, at least I am, and him picking up my money. But most of us have a visceral reaction, an emotional reaction when we see money. And it's involuntary. It just happens. Like I could hear your response when you saw it. And here, Jacob, let me help you here. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. But what if I'd thrown not $25 bills, but what if those were $100 bills and 20 of them? Would, that, would you feel different? And how would you feel if you found a $100 bill out, not in church? Well, how would you feel if you found it in church? <laughs> like, is that God's or is it God giving it to you, you know? <laughs> or how do you feel when you lose a $100 bill? Those are all basically involuntary emotions and responses. But we also have voluntary responses. And Pastor Jacob had the voluntary response to collect all the money and give it back to me. I'll, I'll count it later just to make sure. It was completely voluntary. But, you know, God someday is going to judge you and he's going to judge me, not on our involuntary response to cash and money and things, but he's going to judge us based on our voluntary response to money and possessions. We pastors are often accused of always speaking about money and so I thought, well, when's the last time I specifically talked about money? And I looked through my notes, and it was a little bit over three years ago. So it's been about three years. But if this is your first time at our church, you know, see, I knew it. The pastor's speaking about money. They always speak about money. And, and well, you'd be right if this is your first time. I always speak about money. <laughs> but we have to ask ourselves, why is the topic of money sometimes uncomfortable for us to hear a sermon about? And I was thinking about that, and I go, well, it's the same reason that people can feel uncomfortable when they hear a sermon about reading their Bible on a regular daily basis, or praying more, or why you feel guilty when the pastor talks about subjects like sexual purity before marriage or avoiding pornography. We feel guilty on those subjects because we already feel guilty about those subjects. And so we feel guilty about them. Maybe we don't think we're doing good enough. And then the pastor says, you're not doing good enough. And you go, I already knew that. Now I feel worse. So please be assured, I'm not here to make you feel worse today about how you use your money. I'm not here to make you feel guilty about how you spend your money. I'm going to let God do that. <laughs> That's not my job. But before we talk specifically about money, I want to review what we talked about three weeks ago. We've had a little bit of break, and we were talking about foolish investments, and we were talking about things that include money but are much bigger than money. So let's do a review. If you want to look at your outline, if you didn't get one, there's some available by the doors, also online on our website. Number one, little review. Investments using the world's strategy will be lost forever. So the world tells you to invest in real estate and gold and financial things and IRAs and, and all these things. Those things will be lost forever when you die. But investments using God's strategy 
which is God has given you things to manage and you manage them for his kingdom, those things will last forever because you're doing it for his kingdom and so you're investing in eternity. Investments using the world strategy will be lost forever. Investments using God's strategy will last forever. The second thing we saw a few weeks ago was this, number two. Where you choose to store your treasures depends largely upon where you think your home is. Where you choose to store your treasures depends largely upon where you think your home is. In other words, if you think your home is here on this earth, then you're going to pour everything into this earth. Bigger mansions, nicer stuff, more clothes, whatever it is. But if you really understand that your home is in heaven and you're eternally going to be there in that home, then you're going to want to send stuff ahead. Third principle that we learned a few weeks ago, number three is this. You convert earthly treasures into heavenly treasures by giving them away. You convert earthly treasures into heavenly treasures by giving them away. So whether it's a pile of cash, the way I turn it into earthly treasures is I give it to things that God wants me to give it to. And I give it away. But right now, I'm going to put it in my pocket, just so it's not distracting. (laughs) And although these principles include money that we saw three weeks ago, they include other things like the use of your home or the use of your car or the use of your boat or the use of whatever you might have, all your treasures. While I was working on this message, I read a story that came up, and it was about a man who had a coin collection, and he decided to put it up for auction. And it was a penny collection, and he had 276 pennies worth face value $2.76, obviously. And he put them up for auction, and at auction, these rare pennies sold for nearly $8 million. Wow. What you need to know is he actually died before the auction was completed, and he left it all behind. His earthly treasures of $8 million of pennies left behind because he hadn't converted earthly treasures into heavenly ones by giving them away. As I mentioned, it's been a little over three years since I talked specifically about money, but interesting enough, Jesus, in his three-year ministry on earth, talked about money a lot. Someone has researched it. I haven't done it, but someone researched, and they concluded that one-third of Jesus' parables, the stories that he told, were about money. Someone else has said that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell. So, why would Jesus talk so much about money? I mean, he was poor, and he wasn't trying to get rich. He wasn't trying to get people's money. So why did he talk about money? Well, because, and this is our first principle for today, number one on your outline there, your use of money is an outward indicator of your inner health. Your use of money is an outward indicator of your inner health. We know how you're doing on the inside based on how you're using money on the outside. Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. 1 Timothy 6.10 starts off this way, for the love of money. Now, notice love is not about amount. It's about attitude. It's about your attitude toward money. And he says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. 
Now, I was reading this in the Greek in preparation for the message, and I noticed that in the original Greek in which the Apostle Paul was inspired to write this, the sentence is flipped. It's the other way around. And when you do that in Greek, in Greek, it's the first part of the sentence you're trying to emphasize. So if you were to translate this directly from the Greek in the Greek order, it would read something like this. For a root of all the evils. Do you want to know one of the roots of all the evils in your life? Wait for it. Wait for it. And then he tells us, loving money. So the emphasis in this verse is on the evils in your life. And what's the source of them? What's one of the sources? And he said, it's loving money. It's like a root that is winding its way through your mind and your heart and your soul and your body. The verse goes on to say this, and some by longing for it, notice that's an attitude, Longing there, the Greek word has the idea of stretching out to grasp for it. So it doesn't mean you already have it. Some of the most greedy people can be some of the most poor people on the planet. It's not about amount, it's about your attitude. And some people, by longing for money, have wandered away from the faith. In the process, they've pierced themselves with many griefs. You've seen it. For the love of money, friendships are lost. Ouch. For the love of money, families break apart. Oh my. For the love of money, marriages dissolve. How tragic. For the love of money, heaven is forfeited. Yikes. Love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And our arch enemy, the devil, has all these lies and deceptions out there that we keep hearing over and over again about money. And they're so effective because we actually are wired in a way that we want to believe them. That's why you have an emotional response when you see cash and money. It affects you. And you're already emotionally invested when someone's talking about money. And so we're easily deceived. And the more emotional we are about money, the more easily we will be deceived in how we use it. So let's not be. It's quite easy, easy to see how people value money by what they're doing with it on the outside. Because your use of money is an outward indicator of your inner health. And a healthy person realizes that money is just a tool. And it's a tool that can be used in only one of two directions. You have to decide. Only two ways you can use your money. First way is the way God wants you to. And the second way is the way the devil wants you to. And you go, no, no, there's a middle ground. There's the way I want to. Well, that's on the devil's side. <laughs> Unless you're in harmony with God, then it's on God's side. It's either God's way or the devil's way. And God's will is for you to enjoy what he gives you, but to hold it loosely until he wants you to share it with someone else. It's not wrong to have money. It's wrong to hold on to it with a death grip. Jesus clearly demonstrates these two opposing options when it comes to money, the devil's way or God's way, 
In Matthew 6.24, verse that was read during the scripture reading, it says this, 6.24, no one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will hold the one and despise the other. And then Jesus goes to show us, he's not just talking about earthly masters. He's talking about God and wealth. You cannot serve God and money. And that word money is from the Aramaic mammon. Sometimes it's translated mammon. Sometimes it's translated money. Sometimes it's translated wealth. Sometimes it's translated riches. And notice he says you cannot. He doesn't say you should not. He says it's impossible to serve God and money at the same time. Not that you shouldn't do it. You can't do it. Because you're a slave to one or the other. You can't have it both ways. Some years ago, the district superintendent of our denomination, that's sort of like my boss, not that he ever tells me what to do, but if I get in trouble, he'll tell me I shouldn't have done it. You know, so that's a district superintendent. He came to visit us, and he complimented you. He said, Kailua Community Church is a very generous church. He was looking at the giving that you give to what's called the Great Commission Fund, which is the way our denomination funds our international workers all over the world. We have about 700 of them. You've met some of them recently, a couple of weeks ago. And he said to me, he said, you must talk about money all the time at your church. And I go, I almost never talk about money. I don't believe in talking about money. Because I think if our church is spiritually healthy, the money will take care of itself. So I talk about spiritual health. And when you talk about spiritual health, people use their money in a spiritually healthy way. Because your use of money is an outward indicator of your inner health. I've noticed as I get older and as my friends get older, there's a danger of us actually becoming more miserly with money. You can be fearful that oh, I'm not going to have enough in retirement. Or, I'm not going to have enough to cover the bills. I'm not going to have. And so instead of handling money with faith, we might start fearing and holding on to the money. Where as you get older, you ought to be giving more money away because you're getting closer and closer to your real home. <laughs> and you want to make sure it's really nice up there. So give it away. We're in a series called Life and Getting It Right. And if you want to get life right, you need to make sure that you're serving God and using money as a tool, not serving money and worshiping it. Because you can't serve God and wealth. Now, the reason that your use of money is such a good indicator of your inner health is because, and this is our second principle this morning, number two there on your outline, your money and your heart are inseparable. Your money and your heart are inseparable. One always follows the other. Watch where someone spends their money and you'll see what is valuable to them. Last week, we launched our Ugandan Child Sponsorship Program. We had a, a tremendous response. Thank you so much. And nearly half of the children have already been sponsored. And this shows your heart for children. But some of you maybe are feeling, well, I don't really have a heart for these children in Uganda. Well, then sponsor them anyway. And you'll discover that soon you'll have a heart for these children if you're putting your money there. Because your money and your heart are inseparable. And Jesus tells us this in Matthew 6, 21. 
In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart and your treasure are inseparable. Your money and your heart are inseparable. One always follows the other. Watch where someone puts their money, and you'll know what they've been thinking about in their minds. Watch where someone puts their money, and you'll know what desires are in their heart. Watch where someone puts their money, and you will know what their soul is worshiping. Sometimes the heart precedes the money, but sometimes the money needs to precede the heart. A number of years ago, Ira, who is a young woman that I led to the Lord years ago, she's now married and has a beautiful family. She and her husband, Sasko, they live in Serbia, and they have an evangelistic ministry, and they had an idea, a dream, for reaching Serbia with the gospel. They wanted to bring a Christian speaker by the name of Nick Wojcik, who is an Australian with Serbian ancestry, to Serbia to share his faith. One of the unique things about Nick is he has a ministry called Life Without Limbs, and Nick was born without arms and without legs. And so he catches your attention quickly. And he's an amazing speaker, a motivational speaker, and he has a great faith in the Lord Jesus. So my friends wanted to bring him to Serbia to speak. So they contacted Nick Wojcik, and he agreed to come. Now, my friends had a problem, though. They had to reserve this large stadium in Belgrade, and they didn't have the money to reserve the stadium for Nick to come. So they contacted me and they said, Perry, will you pray that God will raise the money so we can do this campaign? I said, absolutely, I'll pray. So I began to pray. And one day as the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, you know, in that soft little voice in my heart while I was praying, God told me, I've raised the money. And I go, yay, God. But God wasn't done. He goes, I've already put it in your bank account. Yikes, God! (laughs) Now, to be honest with you, even though I love my Serbian friends, I didn't really love Serbia. I mean, I can hardly find it on a map. You know, where is Serbia, you know? And it's not Siberia, by the way, you know? But in obedience to the Holy Spirit, I decided to send them money so they could do this evangelistic outreach. And guess what? All of a sudden, I had this burden for the Serbian people. And I couldn't wait for this evangelistic outreach, and I'm praying for it because your heart and your money are inseparable. And sometimes your heart comes first, and sometimes the money comes first, but they're inseparable. One follows the other. My friends rented this stadium. They packed it out with thousands of people. The president of Serbia was there, and Nick gave his testimony. It was on national television all over the country. Afterwards, Nick was on talk shows, interviewed with famous Serbian athletes. And for some reason, that matters to me now. And my friends are planning to have Nick back again. And perhaps the money's already in my bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it's in yours. What's important to you? If you're not sure, just see where you spend your money and you'll know. Because your money and your heart are inseparable. Now, there are a lot of things, more things I could say about money, but I'm out of time, so that's why there's going to be a part two next week. 
So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads if you would, but still listen with your heads bowed. I'd like to say some things, but I'd like you to have a private moment while I say them. God wants to give you eternal riches. He wants to bless you forever. He wants you to live in a perfect place, in perfect health, with perfect people. He wants you to live guilt-free, sin-free, full of joy. He wants you to live in his home in heaven forever. And he's provided a way for you and for me to do that, but we have to choose whether we want to go there by choosing Jesus or rejecting him. As we saw in communion, Jesus died for our sins. He shed his blood that we might be forgiven. And he offers each one of us the forgiveness of sin and eternal life, but he doesn't force it on us. We have free will. We must choose. So I ask you, have you chosen? Have you chosen Jesus? And if you're sitting here or watching online or listening to the podcast, and you're not sure where you would go when you die, you need to make sure. And you make sure by inviting Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life, to save you. And so with your head bowed and still listening, if you believe that Jesus died for you, if you believe he's paid for your sins, if you desire to be forgiven and have eternal life in heaven forever and have never asked Jesus into your life, I urge you right now to say a simple prayer to him in your hearts. To say, Jesus, I thank you for what you've done for me. And I invite you into my life to save me, to forgive my sins, and to give me eternal life. And I say thank you for hearing my prayer and for answering it. As we continue to pray, Christian, are you willing to let the Lord tell you how to use all the money that comes into your life. If you are, tell him you are, and if you're not, tell him you're not because he already knows. Just be honest with yourself as you're honest with him. Lord Jesus, for those of us who are struggling with money, we pray that we would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be made able to be obedient to you, to use our money in a way that is wise, that is eternal, that brings you joy and will ultimately bring us joy as well. And we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus who gave us all for us. Amen.